Go ahead and raise your hand if you got daddy issues, all right? You're listening to No One Likes Us. Hello, my little cheesesteaks. I haven't been recording because I've been, I guess, an extra, extra soft pretzel, and I just needed to take some time. I should probably put in a trigger warning now for anyone who has lost a parent or who has a sick parent because the reason I took such a long break is that my dad, my best friend, my favorite person, passed away in July. Anyone who is grieving knows that it takes a while for your world to realign again when you lose someone who was so close to you. And everything that was once important all of a sudden doesn't really matter at all anymore. Like my dating life and in a way, this podcast. I was grieving long before my dad left this earth because he was sick for over two years. Before he was sick, he was invincible. He was handsome. He was athletic. He was cool. He was the funnest person to hang out with, the funniest person to be around. (laughs) Classic me to follow up all those compliments with this, but I'm literally just like him. Uh, And I'm told that all the time. I've always been told that. And maybe that's why I'm single. I mean, I'm a 30-year-old woman who has the personality of a 60-year-old man. But really, if you feel like you know me on a personal level through listening, then you have a good grasp of everything that my dad was. He saw the humor in everything. He liked making puns. He was super corny. Um, But more importantly, he liked making people feel comfortable and at home and like, whatever they were going through was the most important thing happening in the world at that moment. My dad was, was truly perfect. He was perfect to my mom. He was perfect in a special way to me and all my sisters, each of us with our own needs and personalities. And he was a perfect friend. So I could go on and on about how amazing he was, but that's not why you're here. You're here because like me, you are single And for the sake of relevance, I hope you don't mind that I go into what navigating this has been like for me. You may not relate entirely, but you could probably empathize with the devastating loneliness I've been feeling. Everyone knows that classic scene in Sex and the City when Miranda's mom dies and her siblings like leave the church with their spouses and she's left alone. But of course, problematic ass Carrie, she jumps in, she takes her arm. And there's that heartwarming moment when you see Steve is there too for her. Well, that whole thing was my reality. Um, and when my dad got sick, that that moment so perfectly captured on television was also my biggest fear. And for years, I dealt with this sickening anxiety that I'd lose my dad before I fell in love. I, I needed him to know that I wasn't alone. I needed him to know that I was taken care of. I needed his approval of whoever I ended up with. And so came uh, ferocity for putting myself out there, for going on dates, for keeping optimistic. I guess in a way you could say that my dad getting sick indirectly brought me to all of you. I mean, I went on over 40 dates in the last year alone, so many that I was able to seamlessly create a podcast. I just, I didn't realize until recently how desperate I was. Not for a man, of course not. But 
for that moment with my dad. I will long for it for the rest of my life. And now when it comes to love, I just hope I'm I'm capable. Like how could anyone new really know me, like the real me, when so much of my personality came from him. Um, the perfect model of a man isn't here to be an example for my future husband or the or the father of my children. You know, over and over, people keep telling me that my dad is sending me someone, and I can't help but just laugh because, like, he really would do something that extreme just to get me a boyfriend. <laughs> but I really do pray, like, that he's pulling the strings out there. When I hear that, I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, but thank God he knows my type, right? So come on, Dad. Let it rip. <laughs> Send the Eagles player my way. <laughs> Uh, okay, but enough of the mopey dopey me. I mean, I would never go an entire episode just talking about how fucking depressed I am. I want to share some of my delusional optimism, dare I call it, with you. I want you to laugh with me. I mean, my mom deadass said to me that I put the fun in funeral, so you know I was cracking jokes the whole time. I was cranking out jokes like you wouldn't believe. I couldn't tell if people were crying, laughing because of me or crying because the dead daddy elephant in the room. Like, I actually learned that quite the pretty choir, like, my face doesn't really move. Beautiful tears just trickle down my face like a waterfall. And at the funeral, I'm so vain. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, I wish I could make this my prompt. I'm always thinking of how to, (laughs) what to add to this podcast. But I was thinking, like, forget a wedding date. This girl kills it at funerals. I'm a beautiful crier. I keep the mood up. I have like eight black dresses from Old Navy ready to go at any moment now. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's been a summer guys. My dad always used to say, it was like our family motto was we bust balls in this family. And let me tell you, no one cut me a break. Not even my mom. I mean, when we were sitting writing the obituary, it was legit the day after my dad had passed away and we were at the funeral home and he's asking all the normal questions. And then he gets to listing the children and their spouses. And my sisters aren't married yet, but they have like longtime boyfriends that are a part of our family. And their names were clearly going to be put in and they were going to be put in parentheses. So my mom lists my sisters and lists their boyfriend's names, of course. And then she gets to me. She looks up, looks me in the eye and bursts out laughing and goes, no parentheses needed there. Like, and I, of course, start laughing because I'm like, what the fuck, mom? Really? And the funeral director who, who knew my dad, was like old friend of the family, he like chimes in and he goes, hey, <laughs> I could just put a big fat zero. <laughs> and this of course, opens the floodgates for all the funny shit that we could put in my dad's obituary to highlight the fact that I'm single as fuck. So we played around with so many things. Like, do I just go for it and put my phone number after my name? Do I just put like DTF, just big and bold? I was thinking of putting like, you wish. My mom, again, not like getting the joke, but also just like being so fixated on my singleness was just like, we should put still available. And I was like, mom, that sounds so bad and desperate. Like, no, but ultimately, which I think you will approve. We went with highly in demand. 
So anybody that read that obituary knows that I am the hottest girl in town. Anyway, I'm sure my coworkers and like other random acquaintances were like, how weird and inappropriate. But I don't care. I mean, I'm going to shoot my shot. My dad would have laughed. We all laughed. And that's what matters. Right? Right. I used to make my dad laugh so hard. And all the time I would just catch him like staring at me. And I would say like, like, what do you want? And he would just say, I just love you. And I think he thought that I was still the insecure girl in high school that I needed to hear it because he wouldn't do that to my sisters. It's like he he just always wanted to make sure I knew I was loved and that I deserve love. Um, and one day someone is going to come along who adores me as much as he did and now I mean, he's probably thinking, holy shit, I didn't realize how overly confident and obnoxious she actually is, because I've just come a really long way since way back then. I'm a famous podcaster now. See, Dad? Side note, he refused to listen to the podcast, actually. He started the intro, and as soon as I said the word fuck, he was like, nope, no more, because he hated when I cursed. Um, But he was proud of me nonetheless. He didn't need to hear it to know it was good. Anyway, I have some dating bullshit to catch you up on from my grieving girl summer, we should call it. Lordy, lordy, where do I begin? So to be honest, the most meaningful relationship relationship that bloomed this summer was with my nail lady. I'm a chronic nail biter, like really, really bad. And for whatever reason this summer, I did so good keeping my nails pretty and I didn't relapse even once. And now I'm thinking maybe we just all need to get our hands held for an hour every two weeks to survive. So go find your nail lady because that honestly was the most action I got. It's healthy. It's non-toxic. Well, like emotionally non-toxic, those fumes. But anyway, last we chatted, I was going to go on 10 dates before I deleted the app. And honestly, that was crazy because I got to six and I nearly set my soul and entire spirit on fire with those. So do not take after me. And here is a little rundown of just the trauma that I added on top of my already traumatic summer. So first, there was this older guy from Cherry Hill who was 6'5". He had a cute enough face, but like I said, he was 6'5". And while texting, he seemed like extremely sweet and easygoing. And he was 6'5", you know, so I was super excited to meet him. We went to Lloyd's on Gerard, another one of my like favorite first date spots because of their $7 old fashioned um, during happy hour. And we sat at one of the, the side tables. He, he got there before me first and didn't pick the bar. Don't know how I feel about that. Um, but I guess I can't complain because I should mention that I'm chronically a uh, cool 10 to 15 minutes late. And I don't know if that's cool, but I literally try my hardest every single time. And that's always the case. I mean, I'm never more than 20 minutes late. That's just rude. But at least most times 10 to 15 minutes late. Anyway, I get there. He's all like six, five and everything. And the conversation is like driving in an Uber with no air conditioning on 76 at 3 p.m. It's just slow and uncomfortable. And I start to realize that he's just like a little off. 
Like, for example, I commented on the decor of Lloyd's and how that it's like super unique and masculine and that I really like it. And I asked if he liked it too. Like, I don't fucking know. I'm like small talking at that point. My sister said that this was weird of me. Anyway, I was keeping the conversation going. And he says he likes to decorate with lots of plants. And I'm like, awesome. I love plants. Plants are great. And he goes, well, actually, mother likes plants. And I'm like, mother? And he's like, yeah, that's who I live with. And I'm like, okay, that's not really what stopped me in my tracks there, but okay. Then he says, mother is actually away this evening. And he's saying it like that, like mother, like very um, articulating mother. And I'm like, again, like nice. So we're drinking old fashions and the waiter comes over and we order nachos and we decided on pork nachos and the pork nachos come and we're eating and I ask if he likes them and he goes, no, I hate pork. And I'm like, okay, then why do we get pork? And he said, well, I don't hate it as much as I hate chicken. And I'm again like, okay, like what's actually happening here? We didn't need to get either meats. But anyway, he starts like talking about his past relationship and how he was married and he got a divorce and and started going into they divorced because she started dating women and that he actually lived with his ex-wife and her new girlfriend in Miami before he started living with, again, he says, before I started living up here with mother. And then that's, this is when it gets, starts to get really weird. And he starts like moving around. Like he's like moving his hips, but staying still kind of like he's in pain. And I'm like, just staring at him. And he goes, sorry, I can't do the whole bar stool without the back thing. Like it really hurts. Cause remember he's six, five. <laughs> so we move to the bar and as we go to get up, this giant beanstalk puts his hands on my shoulders to catch his balance. Mind you, like, I'm 5'4 when I'm not slouching. So then it all, like, hits me that he's drunk. Like, usually I have a drunk radar. I had no idea that he was freaking drunk. But now he's ordering pork nachos that he doesn't like. He's, like, talking about his, like, divorce way too soon. He's referring to his mommy as mother. He's drunk. So my cool 15 minutes weren't so cool because he had one more old fashioned than I did, or he had some drinks and the Uber over. I don't really know, but they fucked him up so much so that he needed to lean on me for actual support. So at that point, not even 45 minutes in, I'm just completely over this entire experience and I'm planning my next move. In the meantime, Someone had left their wallet at the bar that we were sitting at by mistake. Because remember, we moved from the table to the bar. He, he sees this wallet. He grabs it, grabs some other dude's wallet from the bar, and he starts looking at it intently, like observing it, smelling it, like totally engrossed in like whatever sp- spells this wallet is casting on him. And I see the guy that left it at the bar come back in. And so I quickly like grab it, and I return it to him. And then I turn to my date and I I suggest that at that point he goes home because he's just being weird. And he looks at me and goes, want to come with? And at that point I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I'm good. Have fun at mother's. And I leave. And that was just crazy. It was nice, short, sweet content. Gotta love it. Oh, but I mean, on to the next, right? So since this is pretty much like a dad-themed episode, 
Jesus. I have to tell you about my first ever date with a Delph. And this guy had three kids and I kind of said fuck it because he was just like really hot. So he's from my hometown and I ask where he wants to go and he nice, nice enough, he offers to come to Philly uh, because he loves it there is what he says. I love it there. So I'm like, sweet. Since you're coming here, I'll let you pick the place. And he picked Maggie's on the waterfront in the Northeast. Like, that's not what I was imagining. I don't want to offend all you Northeasters, but like, it's not, you're not coming to me. So I get there and he's like this big, tall, dad bod dude. And I'm really just like staring at him thinking dirty thoughts because he was so cute. And we had a nice date. Um, But he kept talking shit on his ex-wife and mother of his children, like for no good reason. Like I'd mention, I'd like music and go to a lot of concerts. I talked about my career and he would say like something along the lines of like, my ex didn't do any of that. Like, blah, blah, blah. Just like uncalled for, you know, like the feminist in me wanted to scream like, yeah, cause she's at home raising your fucking kids, you dickhead. But I didn't cause my brain was just saying, he's hot, he's hot, he's hot, he's hot. So anyway, we make out despite the ex-wife slander. And the next day I'm at work. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I, without saying too much more, I travel around for work and I basically give motivational talks to children at camps and schools. I fucking kid you not. So that's what I do. Let your imaginations run wild. So I kid you not, the next day, the place I go to is a camp which is again in our hometown. So I'm just like keeping up on my day and it's a camp that his three children are at. So I straight up like kind of sort of meet his kids because I'm giving it in like small talks. Like I, I, I ask for volunteers. Like I send him a picture of like the crowd that I'm in and he goes like, yep, that's, that's my youngest. That's my second oldest. And I'm like, okay, well fuck, this is weird. And not only that, through this, I come to find that I, I know his ex-wife's, like, entire family. I, like, basically used to hook up with her younger brother. Anyway, the tea about him is at my fingertips. I could literally ask so many people what this guy's like, but I ignore all of it because my brain is just saying, he's hot, he's hot, he's hot, he's hot. Anyway, he wants to see me again, and he invites me over for lunch. And I go and he has lunch there for us and we eat and he tells me that his kids said a celebrity came to talk to them at camp today and if you're following, that's me, I'm a celebrity. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm hot. And I once again am just like caught up in the moment, we make out and he invites me to go upstairs and I decline because it's the second date and it's lunchtime and just no, but I leave all giddy about my hot delf. And then I never hear from him again. (laughs) I'm like, that weekend I was in the Hamptons at like a bachelorette. So like it didn't really like, I didn't know that I was getting ghosted until like maybe like a whole week later, but just never heard from him again. And then like the Dilf blinders come off and I realized like all the red flags, like him talking shit on his ex-wife, the fact that like there was literally like Nerf guns sprawled all across the house and up my butt when we were trying to make out. And of course I do my homework and it turns out he was like a real asshole who cheated on her. And yeah, so that was fun for a hot 72 hours. 
So go me, one and done, never doing it again. Last but not least, this isn't a date story, but I didn't practice what I preached and I fell for another fucking pen pal. But in my defense, this guy checked all the boxes, which is exactly why I fall for it. Like if I had on paper, he was exactly my type. He was a CIO guy. We had great witty banter, texting. He was like a Catholic school guy from a good family. He was tall, bearded, and like a little tubby. He was like obsessed with music. Like we were at the same concerts in literally over the last year and just didn't know yet. And we were texting pretty consistently from Memorial Day all the way up until like the end of July. Um, and I was confused why he wasn't chomping at the bits to hang out with me, but I was playing the long game. So finally, I send a text before I go to leave on vacation. And I say like, hey, let's get something on the books before I leave next week. And he like agrees. But then it turns out that like this week, the week coming up wasn't going to work well for either of us. But I'm like still not totally giving up. I'm like bummed. And I just figure after vacation, I'll try again. But like, I'm really trying to like, get something locked down. And then that ended up being the very last conversation we had. Right before vacation, my dad passes away. And this dude who I've texted for like two months almost every day and who also follows me on social media, so knows that my my dad passed, doesn't say a word to me again, doesn't text me again, doesn't follow up to hang out after we had that like, we got to hang out conversation. Nothing, not a single thing. So if anyone listening knows a dude named Christian who maybe is a little too obsessed with hairstyles, tell him that he's a dick and... It completely caught me off guard, and I'm pretty bummed about it. First time I ever said anybody's name, but I think that's warranted, because you don't have to love me or like me, but you could be decent and give me condolences. Like, the fuck, bro? Anyway. So yeah, right after my dad passed, I had to delete the apps because I just felt so weird. It's hard to carry on small talk with strangers when there's some days that I literally don't say a single word to anyone at all. Like I just do not speak. If somebody were to ask how my summer was going, like I just want to say my dad died and he was so fucking cool that 700 people showed up to his funeral and that I gave the eulogy and I killed it and that he would have been really proud and that I shouldn't even date because I have to marry one of the people that came that day because they knew my dad and it just feels like they're like the only viable options left on earth. And so yeah, it's probably not wise for me to be on a dating app when I'm obviously behaving pretty maniacally. But anyway, I say that and I recently got back on again. So I'll have to navigate what that'll be like. But you know me, I'm always being toxic, always being crazy, always shooting my shot, putting myself out there. All I know is that I'm happy to be back in the mindset that I am right now where I kind of can see tomorrow because there were a few weeks where you just really can't see. It's just everything just feels pretty foggy and that's being pretty honest. Um, So maybe now I think it's a good time that I could get back to talking all of you. It will bring some sort of purpose back into my life. I mean, I always believed everything happens for a reason. And I don't think my dad passing will ever fall into that category. Um, But I'm truly grateful that when 
I started this. I met so many amazing people through the Instagram and through my guests that have either been through this or already, or they they have a parent that's sick, um, and they just showed me that life isn't over, and that I may feel alone, but you're really never alone in your grief. There's so many people that that are navigating this with me, and maybe you're one of them, and maybe you needed to hear this today. I don't know, um, but what I've learned is that. At first, you feel like you're you're stuck in a room where no matter where you go, you fall in big black holes. But with time, you learn how to avoid these holes. And then eventually, you start to build flowers around them. And so I just hope that you all had an amazing summer, that you're planting flowers in your life, and I hope that if you, if you didn't have a good summer, that you're looking forward to a better fall. Um, and if you're like me and you're just taking it one day at a time, well, thank you truly from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. And that's all she wrote, folks. So XOXO, Sixers Girl.